Welcome to the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. I'm so glad you're here. Today we're wrapping up our Wear Better Pants sermon series. We're going to talk about how practicing spiritual disciplines can seem like a daunting task to accomplish for the rest of your life. But when you look for milestones along the way, it becomes a lot easier of a journey. Get ready because the sermon cast begins now. There are two things that you may or may not know about me. The first is that I love to drive. Road trips, I love driving. Going to the grocery store, I love driving. Need to just get away for a bit, I love driving. See, for me, there's nothing uh, better than driving around town, blasting my music, and singing my heart out. The second thing that you need to know about me is that I'm originally from El Paso, Texas. Uh, El Paso is far west Texas on the border with Mexico and New Mexico. I was born and raised there, and El Paso will forever be home to me. Now, let me explain why I share these two things. Because I love to drive, whenever I go home to El Paso, I love to drive all the way out there. It's, it's one of my favorite drives I've ever made. But here's a problem. It's actually the reason why I don't make the trek more often than I, than I do. From my house to my mom's house, the distance is 1,025 miles. You heard that right, 1,025 miles. I get uh, out of my driveway, down to I-10, all the way across Texas and into my mom's driveway. 1,025 miles. And that's just one way. Driving, that's about 14, 14 and a half hours, which means that you could do this whole drive in one way, and I have, but it's on the edge of being questionable. Now, as beautiful and amazing as the drive is, I haven't made that drive since 2015 when I moved to Baton Rouge. It's just, it's a long drive. And as much as I love driving, the idea of being in a car for 28 hours total in one trip uh, just seems like a, a lot to ask for. I've got to tell you, though, as daunting and arduous as this drive may seem, once you get on the road, it's actually not that bad. For starters, the scenery along the drive is absolutely beautiful. You almost need to take a camera with you for everything that you're about to see. See, if you start off really early in the morning, which you have to because, again, it's a 14-hour drive, it's very likely that you're going to see the sunrise from either the I-10 bridge in Baton Rouge or the Atchafalaya Basin Bridge, uh, which, if you're not from Louisiana, the Atchafalaya is an 18-mile bridge that goes between Baton Rouge and Lafayette in South Louisiana. Literally, uh, there's nothing around you but water for 18 miles. It's beautiful. And I've got to tell you, there's nothing more beautiful than a South Louisiana sunrise. If you look up into the sky at just the right time, the sky is covered in blue and pink hues and the sun as the sun rises. And it's just, it's absolutely stunning. Now, from there, about four hours later, you make it to Houston. And I love Houston for many reasons. But when you're driving to El Paso, getting to Houston means that you're about a third of the way there, which is actually pretty motivating. You're not there yet, but you've cut a big chunk of your trip. Now, from Houston, your next stop is San Antonio. And if you avoid all the loops and stay on I-10 the, uh, the whole time, you're going to need your camera to take pictures of the San Antonio skyline and the Riverwalk. As a Texan, that is one of my favorite places in the whole state. But let me tell you why San Antonio is uh, really important on this drive to El Paso. San Antonio is about seven hours away from Baton Rouge and about seven, seven and a half hours away from El Paso. 
Now, uh, this is huge because that means San Antonio is the halfway point between Baton Rouge and El Paso. Now, if you make it all the way to San Antonio, you know that you're halfway there. And if you're exhausted, you can just spend the night there and explore the city and, uh, you know, get a, a good night's sleep and start fresh the next day. But if you get to San Antonio and you still feel refreshed and you're excited to see the scenery that's coming up ahead, then you just keep driving. Okay, from there, uh, the drive only gets better. San, past San Antonio, you get to see the Texas Hill Country for a couple hours, and then you get to West Texas where you see the Chihuahuan Desert. And if you've never driven through the desert as the sun is starting to set, I'm telling you, you're missing out on life. Now, I told you that Baton Rouge has the best sunrises, uh, but nothing beats a West Texas sunset. Nothing. I wish I could describe to you how beautiful it is, but any description I give you would just be a disservice to West Texas sunsets. Okay, after all of this beautiful scenery, about 14 hours later, the sun has set and you begin to see a mountain range in the distance called the Guadalupe Mountain Range, which is actually a part of the Rockies. Now, after driving 14 hours, seeing the Guadalupe Mountains is the best feeling ever because you know that you have finally made it to El Paso. Your drive is finally over. See, here's the thing about the drive to El Paso. When the only thing I think about is how long the drive actually is, I'm not really motivated to make that drive because 14 hours seems like a very arduous and daunting trip. But when I can look at the drive and break it up into different milestones along the way, different milestones that tell me that I'm getting closer and closer to my destination, all of a sudden, the drive feels more manageable and definitely more doable. And my guess is that once I split up the drive for you and told you of all the different milestones you would reach along the way, at least one of you was like, I kind of want to make that drive. You know, I, I share this story because at times I feel the same way about this lifelong journey of making spiritual disciplines a central part of my life. It's easy to talk about practicing spiritual disciplines when we talk about uh, spiritual disciplines being anything or any activity that redirects our attention back to God, right? That, that's easy and that's fun. It's even easier to talk about practicing spiritual disciplines when we give ourselves permission to find new disciplines, when the old ones stop working, right? Talking about these things and acknowledging these things, it's easy and it's life-giving and it's fun. But for me, when I think about the fact that I have to make spiritual disciplines a central part of my life for the rest of my life, it's almost as daunting as having to drive 14 hours to get home. It's a lot. It feels nearly impossible. And just the thought of it is exhausting. Which is why we need to approach this lifelong journey of making spiritual disciplines a central part of our lives very differently. See, the thing about the drive to El Paso is that uh, the different milestones along the way, along the drive, are almost as great as the destination. Like, I love driving past San Antonio. I love seeing the hill country. I love seeing the desert. I mean, all these different milestones are almost as great as getting to El Paso. And at the same, uh, at the same time, the same is true of spiritual disciplines. Our destination, when it comes to spiritual disciplines, is to become a more Christ-like person. Our destination is becoming a person who doesn't struggle with sin. Our destination is to become a person who not only uh, wears a what would Jesus do bracelet, but actually lives life with as much grace and love as Jesus did. But if that's our destination, it feels as easy to accomplish as getting in a car and driving 14 hours. It feels dreadful and nearly impossible, right? But here's how we can turn those feelings upside down. 
See, the only way a 14-hour drive across Texas is manageable is if we can find milestones along the way that tell us we're getting closer and closer and closer to our destination. The same is true for our spiritual disciplines destination. If we can just find milestones along the way that tell us we're getting closer and closer to becoming more like Jesus, then this lifelong journey suddenly feels more manageable and less dreadful. So, what are these spiritual discipline milestones I'm talking about? What do they look like? Well, here's my answer. Our spiritual discipline milestones are moments of self-assessment where we look at ourselves and realize that we have become more like Jesus. These milestones are moments when we can look back on, our, back on our lives and say, wow, I used to do these things, or I used to think this way, or I used to feel this way, right? We look back on those moments and we realize we're different now. These milestones are moments when we can sit back and realize that our faith really has matured, even though we never realized it. And when we find these milestones in our lives, we realize that while we haven't reached our destination yet, we are a lot closer than we used to be. And having this realization, seeing these milestones, is what gives us the strength to keep moving forward. And here's what I love about this understanding. When we pay attention to scripture, we actually see the exact same thing happening with person after person after person. So I want to focus on one character in particular today, and his name is David. You might know him as King David. He uh, fought David and Goliath, right? It's the same David. In chapter, in Samuel, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we hear a story of David of when he's much older. And uh, basically what happens is uh, he does something terrible. Scripture tells us that one morning David went uh, out to his roof of the king's house, we're told, and he saw a very beautiful woman who was bathing. Now, mesmerized by her, he sends someone to inquire about her. And he finds out that her name is Bathsheba, and she's actually married to a soldier named Uriah, who at the time was out at war. Now, David becomes so infatuated with her that uh, even though he knows all these things about her, he decides to look past it. And in verse 4, we're told that David sent messengers to bring her to him, and he sleeps with her, and he gets her pregnant. Now, obviously, that wasn't okay. And David knew it because he tries to cover up his mistake. When he finds out that Bathsheba is pregnant, he decides to bring her husband back from war. And when he arrived, uh, David tries really hard multiple times to convince Uriah to go home and sleep with his wife uh, so that he can make it look as if Bathsheba's child, the one that she's carrying, is actually Uriah's. David is so uh, determined to make it look this way that he even gets Uriah drunk one night and tries to encourage him, go home, sleep with your wife. But even in his drunkenness, Uriah refuses to do so. Now, this makes David really mad because his plan to cover up his mistakes has failed. So he comes up with a different plan. David writes a letter to Joab, his military commander, and tells him to put Uriah on the front lines. And he says this in verse 15, chapter 11, verse 15. He says, set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back from him so that he may be struck down and die. And because David is in charge, uh, Joab, this military commander, he has to listen to him and follow suit. So you can probably guess what happens next. Uriah dies in combat. David takes Bathsheba as his wife, and as far as David's concerned, no one will ever know that he had slept with Bathsheba while she was still married to Uriah. Now, David seems to be okay with all of this because for him, life goes on as if nothing happened, as if he didn't do anything wrong. But in chapter 12, this guy named David, uh, Nathan, comes to David and condemns him for what he did. 
And it obviously works because by verse 13, this is chapter 12, verse 13, David says this. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. This may not seem like a big deal to you, but think about it. That morning when David woke up, he had no problem with what he had done because he was living life like normal. But in his conversation with Nathan, uh, this conversation served as a spiritual discipline in his life because uh, that conversation redirected David's focus back towards God. And in so doing, he realized that he had done something wrong. Now, talk about reaching a milestone. His whole life, he has been doing his best to be a leader that's after God's heart. David even makes prayer a central part of who he is. Anytime he makes a decision, there's prayer involved in his life. And these are all spiritual disciplines that he's using to deepen his relationship to God every single day. But despite his best attempts, he, is still, uh, he still isn't where he wants to be because he still commits adultery and has a man killed to cover up his mistakes. But when David acknowledges that he has sinned against God, something beautiful happens. In that moment, David realizes that while he is not the man he is trying to be just yet, he has taken a step closer towards becoming that person. See, I'm going to say this again. A couple of days earlier, he would have never acknowledged that he made a mistake. But in that moment, the opposite was true. That's progress. That is a milestone. And those are the kinds of things that we need to look out for. Friends, along this journey of making spiritual disciplines a central part of our lives for the rest of our lives, we're going uh, to have moments when we see uh, ourselves fall short of becoming more like Jesus. And it's in those moments that it's going to be so easy to become disheartened because we're going to feel so far away from our destination. But in those moments, I want to challenge you to also keep an eye out for milestones that show that you are well on your way towards reaching your destination of becoming more like Jesus. Look for those moments when you were stuck in traffic and you didn't get upset and started yelling at other drivers. That's a milestone in your life that shows you are becoming more like Jesus. Think about the addiction in your life that uh, at one point you could care less about, but today you're trying to rid yourself of that addiction. That's a milestone in your life that shows you are becoming more like Jesus. Think about the times when you felt so hopeless because of life circumstances, but today you managed to find hope in the midst of some difficult days. That is a milestone in your life that shows you are becoming more like Jesus. Think about all the times you made choices you knew weren't good for you. But today, you're telling yourself that maybe it's time to leave those choices behind. That is a milestone in your life that shows that you are becoming more like Jesus every single day. See, the destination of practicing spiritual disciplines for the rest of our lives uh, is to become more like Jesus. That's our destination in practicing spiritual disciplines. And because Jesus is who Jesus says he is, that can seem like an impossible destination to reach. But little by little, if we continue to practice our spiritual disciplines and we look for milestones along our journey, we will realize that we're actually further along this journey than we ever imagined. And my prayer and my hope for you is that you can find these milestones along your life, along your way, along your journey that will motivate you to keep going. Friends, practicing spiritual disciplines is a lifelong journey. And if, if it ever seems overwhelming or you're ever ready to give up on them, just sit back, look for milestones, and let yourself be re-energized to keep going on this journey. May it be so. Amen.
I hope you found this sermon to be meaningful and relevant to your life. If you'd like to dive deeper, I invite you to visit midcity.church slash sermoncast and click on the current sermon series. There you can find a home sheet for this sermon that includes the scriptures that we talked about, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge to live out this week. While you're on the website, if you'd like to make a financial contribution to our ministry here at Mid-City Church, you can click the Give button in the top right corner. If you're new to the sermon cast, I invite you to text the word HERE, H-E-R-E, to the phone number 225-307-0662 and fill out a Connect card so that we can get to know you. I'm so glad you joined us today, and I look forward to seeing you next week.